you for listening. Thank you for listening. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Outstanding Ohioans. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioans show. This is episode 40. I have the pleasure today of talking to Lynn Sturdivant, who is a local history buff, published author, and entrepreneur. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And for the audience, if that last name is familiar, we did, in fact, just interview her brother, James, in episode 39. So uh, we've got a true family affair going uh, back-to-back episodes, and we're really pleased about that. Lynn, can you, for the audience, can you sh- give us a little bit about your background? Yeah. I uh, grew up in New Concord, Ohio, the home of John Glenn, if that sounds familiar. Went to Gingham College, and... Um, did a lot of different things in my career. I worked for the state of Ohio for quite a few years, then left, became a travel agent, traveled the world, lived in Washington, D.C., and owned a travel agency on K Street for a long time. And when my husband decided to retire, we decided to come back to Ohio. So we moved to Marietta. And the reason we sold Marietta is we liked the local history aspect, and we liked the fabulous Victorian houses and the you know, the stuff that the Ohio and the Skingham River and so on. So that's how we ended up here. We have been here since 2005. Okay. Lynn, growing up, who, who were some of your role models and what were some of the core values and things that you learned as you were growing up? Well, my father was a professor at Muskingum, and I always respected and still respect and love learning, reading, the whole traveling thing that I got into is experiencing other cultures, learning about the past, seeing interesting architecture, and I for wanted to go places and be uninformed about where I was and not understand what I was seeing. And that's something that has stayed with me my whole life and it's actually contributed to having a lot of fun to be honest with you and having a pretty interesting life. Great, great. If let me know if I captured this correctly. Uh, in, in looking at your website, it sounds like you had a major decision you made in your career path. You you had a job with the state of Ohio, and then you decided to take a significant pay cut to become a travel agent. What what's yeah. the background on that story? Well, I was your standard government worker. I worked for what used to be called the Ohio Department of Public Welfare which is now called Human Services. And it was an interesting job. It was a frustrating job. Um, I made a lot of good friends there, got to do some interesting things. It was kind of in the beginning of when we were trying to automate a lot of the things we were doing there. All in all, it just was not really where I wanted to be. And I had, you know, kind of the travel bug and the wanderlust. And I got tired of living in Columbus, too, to be honest with you. Hmm. So... When I uh, found myself in a position financially where I could take a pay cut and do something different, I went to like a little vocational school, one of these little six-week training things in Washington, D.C., and became a travel agent, got a job right away for like a third of what I had been making. But that was that was a really good career move. Right. And how did you leverage being learning the travel agent profession to – augmenting your own travels around the world? Well, I, as a retail travel agent, which is, which is a job that hardly 
exists anymore. There are a few, but there. this was back in the day where if he wanted to go to Europe, let's say, you, as a customer, you would call up the travel agent. They'd be like, oh, you must stay in this hotel. And blah, 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 and we'll put those airline tickets together for you. You know, and we planned and put trips together and, and helped people visit the world. And then, of course, it was a, it's a, it's a commercial enterprise. So if you're selling a lot and you're doing well, you earn tickets and trips and so on. Hmm. So I was able to just go all over the place at a fraction of the cost of what it would have, you know, what I would have had to have spent had I been buying it regularly. And boy, did I, you know, take advantage of that. <laughs> so I've been, I've been a lot of places, and it's, it's weird how your life goes and how, you know, things that you think you're doing for one reason, you're just doing because they're fun, come in useful later. Because once I, when I got back here, living in Marietta, living in Ohio again, in this very small place, I realized that I knew a lot about putting travel experiences for people together at a very micro level, just because I'd been, just because I'd had so many of those kind of experiences myself. So it all kind of came full circle. In your personal travels, any particular favorites of yours? Well, I love Asia, and I was in I love Southeast Asia especially, and I was just specialist. Uh, when I was in the business, although we did all kinds of things, you know, we handled a lot of different different types of uh, destinations and different types of customers. But um, I always loved working uh, on the really exotic stuff and, and working, you know, Burma. Yeah, some of us still call it that. <laughs> you know, in Indonesia, Malaysia, and I. I also uh, did quite a bit uh, with China and worked with many people, uh, many Chinese companies, trying to promote. China too. So, oh, it's fun. And it's always interesting and frequently kind of weird. Because <laughs> if you think you understand what's going on with your with your business counterparts, uh, and sometimes you really don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've heard people that have traveled much more than I. It's often a reflective experience. What What were some things that you? developed personally in a positive way from your travels? Well, I think the ability to look at things, not, you know, actually physically to look at things, <laughs> walking through a city or you're, you're walking through a driveway to notice what's there, you let yourself wonder about why it looks that way, why, why it is that way. And I'm very open to other experiences and other people I'm, I'm not uncomfortable in, you know, crowds or I'm not uncomfortable in places where I can't speak the language, can't even read the language. And I think that's a, that's a kind of a, a skill that you acquire over time. Okay, great. So you come back in 2005 to Marietta. Yep. And yeah, culture shock, but I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you really start going... You know, becoming a not only a history buff, an author, an entrepreneur, but you, what I would call the three H's. You focus on history, heritage, haunted. How did that? How did that develop for you? Well, I was really kind of bored here, and I was at loose ends. And I'm a big reader. I'm a big library person. So I found some books. There were some people had written some. You know, these little ghosts books like Haunted Ohio, there's all these things. There were stories about Marietta, and there was an actual whole book about Marietta called Ghosts of Marietta, which was a self-published thing about 10 years old. 
But I read this thing and I thought, these ghost stories are pretty interesting. They're not, you know, some ghost stories are just, they're just ridiculous. You know, you can tell somebody just made them up. <laughs> these were not like that. And it was helping. I was also looking at the buildings and kind of understanding how the age of the town and so on, learning a little bit about the local history. And I then I realized that Marietta has a pretty significant number of weekend tourists, weekend visitors in the summertime. And I thought, hello, this might be a place for a ghost tour. Hmm. And it's something that I like to do when I travel. I always like to go on the little ghost walk or the Jack the River walk or, you know, I like that kind of stuff. And I always have, like, weird stuff since I was a kid, you know, UFOs and Amelia Earhart and, like, lost, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So I put together this little ghost tour. And I, because I've been in the travel business for a long time, you know, I'm all concerned about the logistics. And I understand how to put it together, make it work, and, and la da da. So I, I recruited like six or seven local people here who were all in their 60s and had all lived here their entire lives. And I said, I'm going to take you on this tour to practice on you, you know, to make sure that the timing works and that the thing works and that you can tell me what you think about it. So I did this practice run, and they were all like, wow. We didn't know this, Town. We didn't know this. We never heard this story. That was really interesting. They said, but who's going to go on this? Nobody wants to do this. <laughs> and I was like, well, I think they do. So I got a cheesy little sign and put it out and stood down there with a flashlight in my hand the next weekend. And the first weekend, there were like 11 people showed up. Hmm. And the next weekend, like 40 people showed up. And just off and crazy. We have just, you know, a few days ago finished our eighth season, and I have other people who help me now. We're known as the Ghost Ladies, <laughs> and over 8,000 people have gone on ghost trips. Wow, that's great. Some of them go on it more than once. So it's one of these things. That, the message here, I think, is there might be, especially if, if you've lived in the same town for a long time, or this a small town, or not even that you've lived in the same neighborhood of a large town for a long time, you kind of reach the point where you don't really notice it anymore, mm. and you don't think it's interesting, and you don't maybe see what's there that somebody coming in might think is really interesting. Neat. So yeah. what, you're, you're an expert on Marietta, what what do you have a particular favorite story that you could share with the audience of the ghost story? Yes, I'm just going to tell you a general thing because okay. all of these all of these stories here arise. I believe, of course, I've, I've developed some you know concepts about this, thinking about it. And the other thing I just want to interject is when I, when I do the tour, it's very strange because people will hang back after the tour. They want to you know they want to tell me something hmm. and. These are people I don't, this is just a random cross-section of people. And they all kind of tell the same thing. They all kind of tell the same story. They all, they all no matter what belief structure, and I'm not like a woo-woo person, I'm a little bit, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about all of this stuff. I think it's fun and interesting and mysterious, but I'm not a true believer. Mm-hmm. But enough people have told me the same story over and over again, which is something along the lines um, a week or two after my father died, I saw him, or I had a dream, or whatever. There's this common 
kind of story that comes through, and it's not dramatic, it's not like structured like you'd think of in a movie or spooky story or whatever, but it's a really common thing, and people feel comforted by it, and they feel connected. You know, they feel like that connection that they have still exists. Hmm. And that's pretty interesting. Sure. But as far as just general stories down here, what what I would say about Marietta, and I have said that Marietta is the most haunted town in Ohio, and I think it is, is there's something going on here. Again, it's not big, it's not dramatic, it's not like a, you know, Hollywood skeleton comes walking down the stairs, like rattling the chains and kind of stuff. It's just more like people have a lot of low-level paranormal experiences here um, in their houses, too. It's all over town. Um, people have, I don't know, you come into the room and you sit your folder down on your desk, and you turn around and you pick something up and you look back and your folder's gone. You find it two weeks later in the living room. You live alone, right? Nobody's been in there. So there's just this kind of, kind of low-level disruption that goes on. People's TVs turn on. People's cabinet doors open and close. Um, you know, water turns on, faucets, et cetera, toilets flush, la all over town. And it's just strange. And we hear this also from people, you know, what I would think of as kind of like church ladies, you know. And Marietta is a pretty small town. If you go off talking about this type of stuff, your neighbors are going to hear about it. <laughs> so we've got haunted theaters, we've got haunted hotels, we have haunted bars, and it's just, it's just kind of, it's interesting. And folks who are from here and have lived here all their lives say things like, that's that way everywhere, every place. I'm like, no, it isn't. It's not that way every place. Both places have a couple of ghost stories, one or two ghost stories, or some spooky old house everybody thinks is haunted when they're kids or whatever. But it's not like everybody in, everybody in town isn't talking about it. So what, what's your hypothesis on the reason it's the most haunted well, area in Ohio? You know that we have, you probably know, that this town is located at the confluence of the Muskingum and Ohio rivers. Mm-hmm. We're, we're right across the river from West Virginia, so we're right here in southern Ohio. Not as far south as Cincinnati, but we're, we're still south for our part of the state. Mm-hmm. And there are Indian mounds here, ancient Indian mounds here, hmm. Hopewell and Adena Mound. Now, trust me, I'm not going the direction of and they built their house on an Indian mound. I'm not talking about that type of thing. But just that there's something about this area that has some kind of a, a magnetic pull, an appeal, different feeling, a magical feeling, whatever, that drew ancient Native peoples here and caused them to see this as a sacred area where they would build these mounds. So this was a gathering place here. I think it's the same, whatever that is, is the same thing that, that we interpret as paranormal activity. That we think, oh, haunted. That that's our cultural structure. Hmm. That's just my guess. Hmm. Very interesting. So... You started you started doing these tours. At what point did you start working on and publishing your books? Well, that was kind of a crazy story because I'd always been writing, wanted to get something published, blah, 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 wrote a novel, got an agent, couldn't get it published. And out of the blue here, I get contacted by a publisher, which what used to be called, they've changed their name now, but they were called the History Press. They're in Charleston, South Carolina, and they specialize in these little local history books that you see when you travel around places. Hmm. 
to ask me if I wanted to write a ghost book, a ghost story book. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> so I wrote Haunted Marietta, History and Mystery in Ohio's Oldest City. It is still in print. It's still selling. If anybody's interested, you can get it on Amazon. It's also available for Kindle or Nook on Barnes & Noble. Um, and then I wrote a second book for them, which is called um, A Guide to Historic Marietta, Ohio. Because I've been in the travel business all those years, I wrote a travel guide for this area. Not just Marietta, but our, our neighboring areas and some of our neighbors across the river in West Virginia focused on on history, on the history of the region. For history buff travelers like me. Mm -hmm. So... And that's also still in print if anybody's interested in picking that up, too. Yes, and we'll put those links on the on the blog for the show. Right. Great. So if you could put your travel hat, agent hat back on for a moment. Mm -hmm. For someone who's never been to Marietta, what would you tell them to say, this is the reason or the reasons you need to come to Marietta and check it out for a day or two? Okay, well, I'd say you should come two or three days. That's the first thing. There's a lot more to do here than you might expect in a town this size. It's small, it's manageable, it's very affordable, but we have hotel choices, we have restaurants, we have bars, we have cool downtown shopping, we have a, a downtown Main Street, which in our town is called Front Street, which is kind of a 1900-era Main Street. Mm. And we are the oldest town in Ohio. This is Ohio's first settlement. We've got a great museum called Campus Marshes. We have all kinds of fun stuff to do on the river. If you like to ride on a boat and it has a bar, like a paddle wheeler, a, 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 like the excursion boat, we have that, all the way down to kayaks and, and so on that you can get out and really get active on the river. We have um, brick streets and fabulous Victorian houses. We have a really, really, really neat cemetery, as weird as that sounds called Mound Cemetery. It's right in the middle of town. It's got an enormous 30-foot-tall pyramid-shaped Indian mound in the center of it. And around it is the cemetery where there are more Revolutionary War officers than any cemetery in the United States. Hmm. So there's all kinds of surprising stuff here. The other thing is just on the other side of the Ohio River in West Virginia, people... This blows people's minds. Is a house, a historic house called Henderson Hall. Henderson Hall was a slave plantation. Because prior to 1863, West Virginia was, didn't exist. That was Virginia across the river, the old mm -hmm. dominion. You know, West Virginia became West Virginia during the Civil War that seceded from Virginia. Mm -hmm. So people think a slave plantation, I have to go to, you know, Mississippi or Louisiana, that's a big trip. No, you could just, you could be there three hours from Cleveland. Hmm. So this is a, this is an area, you know, that's got a lot of, a lot of interesting elements. We have Underground Railroad, um, history of course, not so much in Marietta, but in Belpre, which is about 10 miles from here. And it's just a cool place to come. We like to sit on the riverbank and drink a little wine and relax at the end of the day. You probably have a good time down. Nice. Nice. So on your website, you talk about yes. Hidden Marietta and History Biz. Can you address uh -huh. each one of those for the audience? Yes. Hidden Marietta is 
that is our local tour company. This is the organization that offers Ghost Track, which is the name of our ghost tour. We also do some other history tours here. We do a, a program called Hidden Places, Secret Spaces once a year where we go in the old abandoned buildings downtown and kind of look around with flashlights and go in basements and go in all the off-limits places. We do an urban history hike where we look for clues to the past as we walk through the downtown area. So we, we do different programs off and on throughout the year. Then we also have, or I also have, a new business which is called The History Biz, which is an online business. And you can find that at thehistorybiz.com. And what that is, is I want to show other people how to do what I did here. After doing Ghost Trek for many years, people would be along on the tour, and, and a lot of people, actually a lot of women would ask me, how did you get this job? What is that? And I was just, well, I just created it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do this too. There are interesting things, not every place, but almost every place, there are interesting things that can be turned into a, maybe not necessarily a walking tour, but some kind of a program or an event. And one of the things I learned along the way is because my background was in tourism, as we said, I, I was always thinking about, oh, attracting visitors from out of town to come in and have something interesting to do. What I found is a lot of the people who want to do these types of things are the local people. The older you get, the more interested you kind of get in the local history and the local stories Hmm. and the folklore and and whatever. And this is something that that really appeals to a lot of local folks. So that is what the history biz is about. How do we do this? How do we put it together? How do you find the story? Then how do you do do it logistically? How do you promote? How do you use social? How do you use, you know, how do you put up a website? All this type of thing. This can be a fun. This can be a fun little business, mm-hmm. and it's something you could do as a side gig because most of your tours would operate like on the weekend or the evening. So if you're looking for a little extra income, something a little bit different, maybe you're an accountant during the day and you, you're dying to wear a costume. Bingo! Here you go. Mm-hmm. So, so give me, give me a taste of this. We we live in an old one room schoolhouse. That's our house. Oh. In Oxford. Cool. In Oxford. How could I leverage that into an experience for people to come oh. to the house? The first question, would you want people to come into your house? Mm-hmm. Okay. If you if you would, what I would do is I would not – what people kind of forget about is sometimes a couple of hours in the library, they do you a lot of good. Mm-hmm. I mean, not online. I'm exactly physically going public library and talking to librarians who know they're geniuses, they know everything. Right. And finding what you can find about the school. And then where did kids come from? I mean, how far away in the neighborhood did they come from? How did they get to school? Maybe you can find, I bet you could find some pictures. Mm-hmm. If you could find some pictures of the interior, that would be cool. Um, and then maybe invite people in for um, a talk mm. and a tour. Mm. And maybe, maybe you could, if you feel like, oh, we don't have enough material, we only have like five or ten minutes worth of stuff, maybe you can set the stages. This is what, this is what a typical school day was like for children in 1902. This is the kind of thing they would, mm-hmm. um, you know, the teacher would be talking about during the day. Sometimes it's always good to look for a collaboration partner. Mm-hmm. Maybe you 
contact an antique store to see if they have any old school stuff or maybe books. Your local historical society has some school textbooks from the time period, mm -hmm. etc. Any 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 like physical stuff you can bring in to let people see always always makes it more interesting. One of the programs we've done has been, this is going to sound, of course, very macabre, but that's kind of the nature <laughs> of it. We do a Victorian funeral reenactment. Hmm. I've done it here for several years. I've also done it in Cambridge. And we did it last year in Cambridge, and we had a funeral home come in and partner with us. Because a lot of the funeral homes now are conglomerates of all the funeral around countryside. And a lot of those places have all kinds of stuff in the attic, like equipment and pictures and stuff. And so these guys in Cambridge are like this. They had a whole array of really bizarre antique funeral equipment. Hmm. So they brought it over and set it up. And I mean, people went bananas. It was really interesting. It was a Halloween thing, of course. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, you got to time your program right. That doesn't work around Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but... They had, like, I'm not going to get into the details here but because it, it is kind of disturbing when you just hear it kind of out of context. But, but it was, you know, if you can find objects or pictures, and if you, if you can't find anything, you can find pictures of it online. And you can print those pictures and at least show people, what, which is something we couldn't do 10 years ago, mm -hmm. at least show people an image of what something like this might have looked like. Mm -hmm. And clothing, that's the other thing. We have been cooperating with local community theater people or just people who like to get dressed up. Hmm. Say, how would you like to get dressed up? Can we put something together that looks like a, a school teacher's outfit and have somebody walk through? I mean, all of that, people are looking for that immersive type experience. They don't want to listen to a lecture. Hmm. I mean, nobody's going there, you know. They want to have more of a kind of a like, time machine type. Anything you can do to kind of create that atmosphere, maybe even some little snacks or something. Okay. That can go on for hours. Yeah, that's me that's that's great stuff. So, uh, on your website, when you were talking about the history biz, mm -hmm. you were talking about how to to generate more traffic. Do you have any right. examples of groups or museums that you've worked with to? to help boost their traffic? Yeah, I worked with Dickens. Actually, the Victorian funeral that I was talking about that we did last year was the new program for Cambridge, um, which is about an hour. If you're people who are not familiar with it, it's at the intersection of Interstate 70 and 77 in Guernsey County. Um, it's a great little town, and they have a Victorian Christmas celebration. So we thought about let's run a Victorian funeral right at the end of October to kind of kick off the Christmas season celebration. That was really popular. We had uh, several hundred people come out over a two-day period to walk through the house and call on the family, you know, give their condolences. I've also worked at our own um, convention business bureau here in Marietta, which is the Washington County Convention and Visitors Bureau, and we developed a really cool program this year called Marietta Vice. And Marietta, a river town, is of course a very nice, quiet, calm town today, but back at the turn of the century, it was real rough. There were a lot of prostitutes here, there were a lot of bars here, 
lot of violence here and so on. So we decided to develop a tour, a walking tour through downtown that told the story of that time through, through several crimes, several documented crimes. And that was a huge hit. And we, the way we structured it is we had people from the community theater in costume stationed at various points along the downtown route, and they would step out and tell the story, you know, as if they were a first-hand witness. So that was very popular. And what we've done with that is turned it over to the Convention of Visitors Bureau so they can sell that to bus groups. Hmm. Because when people go out, this is especially a problem in small areas like this, our, our tourism folks go to these bus trade shows and so on, and the bus operator will just say, hey, what's new in Marietta? What have you got since the last time we've been down there? And it's real, I mean, this is a small place. We're not coming up with new stuff every day. So to have a new program to offer is really important. So that's one of the that's one of the angles that uh, we're you know we're, we're always looking at something new offer to get people, and that helps everybody here. If a bus load of tourists come in, they eat lunch, might stay overnight. It's just good for everybody. Neat. So you've got you, you're bringing a lot of folks from Marietta. A lot of neat things going on. What do you attribute your success to? What are what are your core values that you learn early on in your life that you've been developing throughout your life to be successful in this venture? Well, one thing is underneath everything, I'm always a business person. I want to do things that appeal to people, that just to be real blunt about it, that make a good return for the people involved. I don't expect people to volunteer. You know, I expect, I pay people who work on these things, and I want to give a really, really top-notch experience to customers. I've been on a lot of bad tours and had a lot of boring experiences, and I want to make sure that people have their imagination stimulated, and that they that they, as I said much earlier, that they visit a place and they look at it with new eyes, even if it's the place that they've lived all their lives. That they might look up at that building and say, what is that thing up there? Why is that up there? You know, and just start thinking a little bit more about the world around you because it is more interesting than you realize. Okay. Do you have any great leadership books, business books, any books you're reading right now that you would recommend for the audience? I... I'm a big podcast fan, and I listen to podcasts, including yours. Oh, well, thank you. All the time. Um, I'm a big business podcast person. I love The Fizzle Show. Okay. I listen to Pat Flynn, which is a show called Smart Passive Income. Yep, yep. Um, there's a show called Side Hustle, um, which is something that's interesting. I listen to a lot of business stuff. Internet business mastery. Um, gee, if I could go on and on. I've read a lot of business books, but to be honest with you, a lot of them go, a lot of them are kind of the same. Mm -hmm. Kind of go in one ear and out the other. It's kind of a regurgitation of the same stuff over and over. I like Daniel Pink. Mm -hmm. I like Seth Godin. So I guess I'm not too far out on, on a limb. It's probably the same folks that everybody, mm -hmm. everybody kind of Kind of read, but I, I do think that we can fall into a trap when we live in small places, or again, you're in a big place, but you feel like out of the mainstream, or maybe you're a little bit older, you don't have 
you know, a tech background or whatever. There's still a way that you can you can do some things if you open your mind up a little bit and look around you and see what's just right here around you. Mm -hmm. And um, if you like history, nobody does local history very well, mm -hmm. you know. And that's why, you know, if you really think, I don't mean to insult anybody with this, but a lot of the people who are in charge of local historical societies around the country are older, like really older. They're retired. They're volunteers. They don't do social media. They don't do online newsletters. They're mailing newsletters. They don't put together programs that people are interested in. It's an opportunity there to, to do something fun with local history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also you can reach out to people like Main Street organizations or if you've got like a, like a neighborhood preservation group or whatever. And partner up. You mm -hmm. don't have to go to work for them. You know, partner up. You can do something together that would be fun and draw people into the neighborhood or draw people into the downtown and get interested in working on there. Mm -hmm. that's, that's great advice. A uh, question I like to ask all my guests is, what would you like to leave behind as your legacy? Well, honestly, there, were, there are a lot of little kids in places like Marietta that I feel like are kind of falling off the edge of the earth. They don't, they're not in the mainstream, um, especially that hit me after moving here from the D.C. metro area. Mm -hmm. how, are these, how are these kids ever going to compete for, you know, the big jobs and stuff? And... I, I just felt kind of bad for them, and what I wanted to leave them with was, hey, it doesn't matter that you don't live in Los Angeles. You live in a pretty cool town. There's some interesting stuff here. Look at this Indian mound. Who's got that? Mm -hmm. Look at this. Look at these cool ghost stories. Look at these beautiful old buildings. Think about the crazy things that have happened here. You know, you, you have something cool here, too. You live in a cool place. You have you come from someplace too. Just appreciate it, right? That's you. You just hit on something that I'm very passionate about is engagement. I work with college students. I've got mm -hmm. two young boys at home. Uh, coach youth sports in the community, etc. What do you? And I, of course, I had great conversations with your brother about this last week. What do you think are a couple key ways that you can engage and connect with children of that age? I think that you need to let them make some discoveries on their own. Don't tell them stuff. Kind of lead them hmm. down a path where there's something cool at the end. One of the most popular things to do that I do with kids is a little a little tour called Urban History Hike. And we just walk around downtown. It's just two blocks, same two blocks. Everybody walks around for the day of their lives here. But what we do is we look for clues to the past. But I don't tell them where they are. Hmm. And just it, It's like the whole suggestion. It's like that whole hidden in plain thing. The kind of history detective, mm -hmm. history archaeologist and so on, and I just tell them some things. I show them a couple of things, and then I bring them listen, and they start finding everything. And one of the things that's just really common is what are called ghost ads, or faded advertising. You know, if you live in an old town, you've got brick buildings. It's on there. Right. It's the stuff that's painted on there. And 
where a lot of people don't even notice it. Like one of those optical illusions. Once somebody points it out to you, you're like, oh my God, you know, and then you see it all the time. <laughs> but getting the kids to look for these things and then see them, it's, I mean, it sounds so basic, but it's a big revelation. It's like, wow, there's stuff here I've been walking by and I haven't noticed. That's a pretty big eye opener. Mm-hmm. Like, what else are you missing? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I ought to look around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we go back through the alleys, we look around at things like building foundations, what was hidden before, looking for singed marks on the end, edge of buildings to say, hey, something burned down, old um, fragments of train tracks, trolley tracks, that kind of stuff. And you'd be amazed how much they like it. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it's again, it, it's like they're discovering it, they're seeing it. Also, every, every kid, not every kid, but most kids like to keep down in kind of a dirty place that you're not supposed to go into. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we can do it back in the alley. That's home run. Mm-hmm. And they get pretty excited. And then they start talking, and then you know, blah, 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 look, 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 look. And then you know. And, and the age group I'm talking about is like the age group I really enjoy. It's like that 9, 10, 11-year-old crowd. Okay. They're pretty cool. Nice. Uh, you, you talked a lot about partnerships, and, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. We both live in College Sounds. Do you have any partnerships with Marietta College? Yes, we have done several things with them. Mm-hmm. When we've done our um, our um, Victorian funeral, there is a segment of the population that will do almost anything if you tell them they can dress up in a car. You got to find those people. And so we had a lot of college kids get really excited. And, I mean, it's so much fun to, you know, put on the black veil and the morning stuff and the guys in the top hats and so on and then be very morbid. That's fun for some of us. But anyway, they have participated in those types of things. And um, they have also enjoyed going on ghost tracks. And not to insult any young people of the college age, but as far as ghost track goes, there's very little difference between high school kids and college kids. After a certain point of the tour, they all become kind of, they're kind of a line and sinker. Mm-hmm. The it. So that's fun. But I've, I've worked with them, and this has been fun too, some of us in the communication department. We've gone into the much area and they have we've done some videotaping and so on for them to practice and do things. That's a lot of fun for me, too, walking through some of the old buildings, you know, some of the old buildings and so on. So I'm always up for doing whatever they want to do. Okay. But most of the, the partners that I have been successful here and have really worked well have been with people like our library, um, Marietta Main Street, uh, Community Theater, and Castle, which is a... Um, which is a historic house, you know, one of these historic museum houses. Mm-hmm. Somebody like me needs a venue. I need a place to do things. And they need programs. So that's a perfect partnership. Mm-hmm. So that's what, you know, come to look at your look at your historic historic houses, look at your museums and, and come to them with an idea. They'll probably be receptive to it. They don't have staff, they don't have money. Everybody's kind of hurting, but if we all come together, we can put together some pretty cool stuff. Nice. So, <laughs> you've told some awesome stories, some really, really neat concepts, great partnerships. 
what's next? Do you do you have a one year plan, a two year plan, further than that? What are you thinking for the well, future? I really want to get a history biz cooking. Mm-hmm. And I've got a lot of ideas. I'm doing a lot of writing. I blog on there twice a month. Okay. And that's where I'm I'm writing about you know, I'm writing about the pro I'm writing about the kind of stuff I'm talking about today. But but more from a how to standpoint, as a case studies. How do you put this thing together? Logistically, I mean really, how does this work? How does one do this? How do you find a collaboration partner? How do you how do you what are the red flags that somebody is is gonna be a really bad collaboration partner? You know, this type of thing. So that's what I'm focusing on now. I wanna keep I wanna keep um, what we've got going. And we only work five months a year on the on the tour, on the mm-hmm. on the ground tours here. In Marietta, we work from June to the end of October. So during the off season, um, this is this is what I'm really wanting to do. I plan to write a couple of little books too. I want to write a book for wannabe entrepreneurs, people who maybe want to get that side gig going, or would like to to you know start a business like this themselves. Beyond just like here's how you put together this one tour. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm also, I'd also I think I'll write probably write a book about profiting from the paranormal. <laughs> there's a lot of nonsense out there, and I think we all know it. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of interest in it if you treat these subjects intelligently and you and you respect the intelligence of your audience and customers. This can be a really fun and interesting pursuit. Nice, nice. But that's kind of what I've got, you know, bouncing around in, in my mind right now. That's neat. So, Lynn, if if the audience wanted to get in touch with you, could you share your contact information? Sure, you can come to either of my websites. The first one is hiddenmarietta.com, or you can come to the, as in like just with the Ohio State University, right? Mm-hmm. The com. Both of those have contact forms. Just shoot me an email on there. Okay. I'm online all the time. I'll get right back to you, I promise. Okay. You can ask me anything you want. I may not answer, but you can ask <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you well, could, thanks for inviting me. Sure, if you could, if you could hold the line, I'm just going to sign off and, and okay. get back to you. Thank right. you, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioans Show. This was episode 40 with our guest Lynn Sturdivant from Marietta, Ohio, talking about her passion and businesses as a local history buff, published author, and entrepreneur. Focusing on Hidden Marietta programs and the history biz. Lynn, thanks again for joining us. Thank you for tuning into the show. Have a great day.